Welcome to Right Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my return guest co-host and contributor today, Joshua David. He is the author of the Seed series, and we're going to be talking about the third book in the series. For those of you who follow PJC Media, you know I've had him on for each of his books, and each of his books have been absolutely fantastic. But this is the exciting conclusion, or is it? of the series. I can't wait to tell you more about it in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with all of our shows, simply go to pjcmedia.net Press that pink button and subscribe, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so, let me go ahead and bring on my guest today. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Parker. Thank you for having me once again. And thank you for being with me. You know, I enjoy you every time I have you on the show. I really connected with your first book and the second book, and the third book is no different. And actually, this third book is kind of like an explosion of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's exactly what I was going for. And that's what you're going for, explosion (laughs) of crazy. But that's often the best story. And I think it's because of the bit of the crazy in you, Josh. I've seen your Facebook profile, and you're crazy. But in a good way, in a good way. And I love it. I love it. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you back. As I've told you before, online and offline, I am always interested in following my guests career and seeing their writing careers grow. Here we are, your third book. And I remember when I reached out to you and you had listened to some of the previous episodes of The Right Stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, this chick gets me. (laughs) And so it's good to have you back. And so since then, you've written the third book of your series. Can't wait to tell listeners about it. But it has been a minute since you've been on. And so I want to have people to know who you are. So go ahead and just reintroduce yourself to some of our listeners today. Well, I'm Joshua David, and I think that the world would be a little better if the world was a little more Christian. So I pick up the pen and I do what I can. And you know, like you said, I'm on book number three now. It's going pretty well. And that's the thing. It's that we know it can't be that way, but we can do what we can to bring that about. And I think the, uh, I was listening to someone else, Josh, talk about this. And they actually think the next horizon for Christian infiltration actually, is actually through the entertainment and the arts kind of like what Brave New World kind of discussed about that whole thing about entertainment. So you have to fight ideas in entertainment. That's what some some person said. I don't know what you think about that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you, if you have a problem, you know, you and I and many others, you know, we ask Jesus for guidance and we receive it in the way that we do because he's not here in the flesh with us. But if you would have asked, since you're into history, if you would have asked Jesus, what should we do with this predicament that we're in? What should we do if the crazy thing is going on around us, the Great Reset, you know, all this chaos? What should we do? How should we act? 
you know and I know, we wouldn't have received a straight answer. You know, how did Jesus teach taught in parable? We would have received a story. You know, there would have been an example to follow, and that's a narrative. And so if you're trying to change hearts and minds, then you have to go with the best, right? How do you communicate the ideas that you think would actually help people? You rely on fiction. At least I do, you do. You know, we try to make a difference, and I think it's a good way. And fiction has a way of reaching people in a way that's non-confrontational, that's not always preachy, even though I would never cut out preachy books because sometimes you need to tell the word as it is. But also fiction has a way of distancing the reader from the maybe commentary behind the fiction. So there's really unique ways that fiction and entertainment works. And so I think the Lord is calling up an army of Christian creatives to infiltrate. So I'm excited for what these things are going to do. And right now, companies are looking for content. They're looking for content all the time because they keep writing the same stories. And so content. But Josh, I want people to know a little bit about the seed world. Well, seeds world is a dark one, but it's not without an element of fun. In the original, in the first book, in Judgment, we're introduced to a post-apocalyptic world. It's post-apocalyptic fantasy. You know, it's a broad genre. Everybody writes in it, it seems like. Uh, But this one is with Christian themes, but I bury them. There's nothing in seed that's overt. Everything is metaphor. Everything is an analog. And so what you're left with on top is just a crazy story about what is an evasion, an invasion. Something foreign hits the world and just decimates humanity. You've seen it before, but have you seen it with everything that I get to throw into seed as the people begin to fight back, which is a technological fantasy, a spiritual fantasy. It's a war book about good and evil, but brought to you with a few different elements. And like I said, underpinned by a message that I would like to spread, but the underpinnings I hope are so deep that anyone can pick it up. I like to think it's kind of like a gateway drug, if I can make that a good thing. Something that someone can pick up and enjoy and never engage with any overt uh, preaching. Not that that's bad. There's certainly a place for it. But I think we also need the invitation to. And so that's what Seeds World is. And that's what Quiet is. It's a war book about all kinds of crazy stuff. There's zombies. We got aliens, tanks, magic, dragons. Like I unload onto what I think is a solid enough structure to hold it. But in the end, it's still a message about salvation, love, the good things that really underpin Christianity. It's really like a person's speculative fiction drug. Like every high you can think of is in this series, okay? However, like you said, there is that underpinning of faith here. And so let's talk about our main character that we follow. Uh, so you get Sal. He's my protagonist. And he is lost because I think that's the easiest character to identify with for just about everyone because we all have that sense deep down. We don't quite belong where we are. We're not sure we're in the right spot. There's a little bit of angst, I think, in every person. And so that's Sal. He is lost. He's orphaned. And he finds himself in this conflict. And he doesn't understand. And like many of us, he's given a guide. You know, you're always given choices in your life. Most people aren't just given one side of the equation. And so we get to see free will play out with Sal, that he's given someone that can lead him through uh, a mentor, and that's his surrogate father, James. And so James is a general, he's a military guy, and so that's where C, or that's where Sal heads, is into the war, headlong into the war, lost, confused, broken, elements of just human struggle, but played out across this broad war. 
And the thing about Sal is that he grows throughout C. He grows that, and there is multi-layers to that, but he does run into things <laughs> that try to uh, hinder his growth. It's sort of like you have this plant, you put it in the ground, and it starts to grow. And then someone comes and smashes it, <laughs> right? And then you put it back in, something comes around, someone gets burned. <laughs> and then you put the seed back in the ground. So he goes through a lot here, wouldn't you say? So much. As much as I can throw at a character. That, you know, that's what I think makes the best story is someone who struggles. And so to make someone struggle, you got to hit them. And yeah. I, I hit and I hit and I let him come back and grow and become a champion for the reader, for the audience. But it does take a while. Yeah. And I think a lot of things that happen to us in life are often formed when we go through struggle. If you don't go through struggle, you cannot grow. You don't know what your limits are or what your endurance is. And that's what struggle unveils in all of us. And I've been bringing up this woman for a while, Josh. My grandmother died um, November 5th. My grandmother died, and I was she was with me my entire life. And when she passed away, that changed me in ways I did not know it could change me because she had been such a part of my reality for so long. And as I told someone else, there was no memory when she wasn't there. And so all of a sudden, I found myself different. I found myself struck in the heart, but then I am healing from that. And I didn't know I could survive such a blow to my reality. And that's what I mean by struggle. And I know my listeners are probably like, we are so tired of you talking about granny. I cannot help it. She's going to be on the show for a very long time indeed. But I remember the things she taught me. I remember the things she said. She was an avid secular fiction lover too, Josh. She was the one who got me into Aliens and Predator and all the monster movies and nice. movies and Trekkie and all that, you know. And so I like that Sal represents to our listeners and to the reader that you don't know what you can go through until you go through it. You don't know the limits of your own ability to grow unless it's forged, you know. And so in Seed, Seed is also a metaphor. So there's, there's a lot going on, but Seed is also a metaphor. And those are some of the themes that you work with throughout this entire series. So we're going to try to give you the third book of Seed without revealing a lot. And so our listeners, there's so much going on that it's going to sound incomplete, but we really don't want to spoil it for you. So that's why I'm going to encourage you to get the whole series, which is available at Amazon.com, and um, you'll, you'll see what we're talking about. But let's, let's try to peel back the veil on what's going on in the third book of Seed here. Sure. First, I listened to your show, so I knew your grandmother passed, and I was sorry to hear that. That is your struggle, isn't it? Like you start to lose, like I was just saying, you get a guide. You get somebody to show you the way and then they're gone. Yeah. You're on your own, you know, mm -hmm. and not completely, but in a way, so you have to move forward. Yeah. Anyway, in this book, in number three, we're finally visited by what we've been calling the visitor throughout the other two books, an entity that has sent seed. The, the entity that sent destruction shows up. Now it shows up at the end of book two. And so three is about people who have survived and how they interact with this visitor. It shows up loud and proud and unafraid in a kind of a strange way. And it looms over the narrative going on on the ground in between the last remnants from Nellis from the first two books, my good, my good guys, my good team, and then other people who have um, thrived during judgment, but in a different way. You know, they've gone the dark route. And so we have three competing forces in the story, uh, good, evil, and then 
judgment looming over it all. And so then the conflict begins. And that is the best way to describe this book (laughs) without giving away spoilers. And I'm encouraging my listeners to pick up the first two books in the seed series. And they're really good. And like I told Josh, when I first picked it up, I was on board. I'm totally on board with Josh. I love his writing. And, and I love the way he describes it. Each book, it just as a note to you, Josh, each book grows in your skill set as you write. And I Thank actually you. think that's a, a thing that every author learns over time. That's why we always encourage authors to write so you can have that growth. Your own seed. Right. <laughs> there you go. Your own seed. Not quite, but yeah, your own seed. So yeah. So there's a lot going on in this story. And so um, what are some things that you have interwoven throughout the whole series that culminate in the third book? Well, the entire thing is just a, a setup for normal human struggle, but writ large and writ crazy. And like I said, we got tanks, we got dragons. I mean, I, in my second book, I tried to make as perfect a narrative as I could according to classic structure. It was tough in the first because it's sort of like a superhero origin story. So it had to be front-loaded to some degree with exposition. Like there's no way around it. But in two, I was free to try to perfect it and make it as perfect a narrative as I could. I'm not saying I succeeded entirely, but the structure I thought was sound. And so in the third book, I just heaved everything onto it that I could. I felt like I could get away with a lot. And so I I built in some strange loops, you know, perception of reality twists that I wasn't sure I could pull off, but hopefully I did. And so that's where we ended with three. Structurally, for themes, it's just conclusion. In my first book, it's like, for me, people have asked many times about what the origin was of the story and the metaphor. And for me, it mostly was inspired by uh, Paul, what his experience must have been like never meeting Jesus in the flesh but then picking up the church after the fact, meeting Jesus in spirit. And so in two, I wanted it to be more like Acts. I wanted this to be about spreading the word and the suffering that surrounded that adventure. Um, in three, it's conclusion. So if you're doing Christian conclusion, if you're doing eschatology, you got to go to Armageddon. And so that's what three is. If we're looking for a metaphor, it's, it's the end. It's the end of the conflict between good and evil overseen by the visitor. And that's one of the things about apocalyptic books is that you're in a post-apocalyptic world, but you're not really done with it. It's um, a new way of life, if you will. Or most of the people have been destroyed. There's some kind of virus. There's some kind of attack, invasion, what have you. But in your story, this is it. The deed is going to be done. And I like that because it kind of has that fairy tale ending where at the end, good wins. But at what price? Okay. And so when you consider these things, when you consider how in a lot of post-apocalyptic fiction, it's that, okay, this new X has come into play and now we're going to go through another generation. But it's different with the concept of Armageddon. That's how we, that's how we describe it. That's more of a really a secular term, but that's how we describe it um, in that it's this big mass of the war to end everything, the conflict to end it all. And so with those type of ideas, we have to be mindful that things are not going to stay the same forever, that there is a conclusion coming. And right. I think you can find hope in that. What would you say to that, Josh? Well, I think that's right. And again, it's, it's about the real world. I mean, fiction is about the real world. If you don't have some kind of analogy going on that people struggle, 
it's worthless. No one's going to interact with it. No one's going to be touched by it. And so are we being touched by Armageddon right now? I don't think so. I don't think this is the end of days, but there sure is a good argument. If you get on YouTube oh for gosh. five minutes, it's you'll see a pretty good seconds. argument. Go for two seconds on YouTube, man. You right. have the, right now, uh, the Preterist view is um, growing uh, among Christian circles, the Preterist view. And um, there's been going back and forth between the Preterist and the Futuristic view. And I've done a uh, debate on that with a couple of gentlemen a couple of years ago. That was really interesting. But yeah, I totally feel you there, Joshua. So we have this thing going on. I am pretty sure Seed has concluded. However, are there going to be any spinoffs? Are there going to be any prequels? Are there going to be any extra world building here? What's going on? I really don't think so. I think it's completely done. I left some opening in the end because, not because I wanted to make more of these books, but because I just wanted my characters to have a proper send-off. And I just couldn't imagine them doing anything but what they had been doing for the first two books and the third, which was, you know, fighting the good fight. So I leave a small crack in the door to let that continue, but the seed series is done. This is it. I, I can agree with that because when you put so much of yourself into a story, it can actually get quite exhausting. And sometimes you're so overwhelmed by the world, the building, the emotions that go through you. You're like, we're done. We're never yeah. coming here again. But what are some of your next projects you have on board? Uh, now I'm into philosophy. That's where it all started. I wanted to make a new branch of apologetics that was uh, more focused on, let's say, scientific discovery and philosophy than reconciliation of the Bible with the Bible. That's where I, that's why I started writing that book before I started writing Seed, and it was so tough. I mean, however bright I am, I'm just a few IQ points short of creating a fantastic philosophy book my first run. And so as I was writing and writing and practicing and honing in a, a decent philosophical argument, that's where Seed came from, was trying to express this reconciliation of Christianity with the modern world. And so that's where I'm headed. I'm doing research now. I stay up late reading books, not about uh, religion or philosophy, but about like, where's gravity? We live in gravity. It's a known quantity since Newton, I would say, or you know, before, but certainly a uh, crystallized by Newton. And to this day, no one knows what it is. Einstein took a crack at it. Particle physicists take cracks at it. There's all kinds of experiments, like beautiful, impressive experiments going on to understand a reality at that level. They've got telescopes looking across the cosmos of billions of years ago to try to understand gravitational waves or particles or both or curved space phenomenon or stuff like that. Those little pieces, there is a trail of strange scientific discovery, of philosophical advancement, and they're moving in directions that I think permit a more robust argument for the truth of Christianity. And so that's where my focus is now. I'm, I'm back to science and philosophy, and I'm going to make a proper philosophy book And one of these days. Unfortunately, my day job is dad, and so most of this is at night. So it's going to be slow, but it's coming. I like that intrigues me on so many levels. Recently, they released the images from the James A. Webb Telescope, and those were absolutely phenomenal images that they released, and they've been releasing more and more information. And a lot of the scientists were really emotionally moved by these images because they understand the concept of expanding our knowledge of the universe. 
And I believe some of their emotionalism came from the fact that look what we can do where we are in this world. And here I am looking at the same pictures going, wow, look what God, that's me. Look what he created. Look how he did this. And so it was very intriguing for me to see those pictures and to say, wow, look at these pictures. My favorite one so far has been the picture of Jupiter and they show it moving. And as it's moving, you just see all this wonderful, rich detail coming from this telescope. And recently, they released some images of, they believe, one of the oldest galaxies in the universe. And I was looking at that, and it still looks like just a, it actually looks like a smudge on the camera lens. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's so far away. But what do we know? We're not out there a million miles away. <laughs> so, right. But that kind of stuff, the fact that we can probe the universe, that we can probe it and understand it more. But yeah, so lots of good stuff. So I can't wait till you finish that and uh, come on board and let me chit chat with you about that. Well, we could take you as part of your book and turn that into shows too. So we to help you give us the cliff notes. Do people have cliff notes anymore? <laughs> the cliff notes of, of your uh, book there. So I'm looking forward to that. That stuff always invigorates me. So Josh, we're at the end of our show today and I want to give people an opportunity to find you online. Sure. Well, like you said, I'm on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is Seed Novels, plural Seed Novels. Facebook's a little bit of a controlled ghetto. I don't, I don't love it as much as I used to. So now I'm on Gab or Minds, then you can speak freely on those. So same thing on Gab, Seed Novels, Minds, Seed Novels. Easy to find. But Josh, in the few moments we have left, first of all, Josh, I want to thank you so much for being with me on the show today. You know, I always enjoy having you on the show. Thanks for letting me showcase all three of your books throughout the show over the years. And so, you know, I always want you to encourage our authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to because it didn't do that. Don't make me do it, Parker. Am I the only one who says don't do it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel terrible. I want people to do it. If you're inspired and you want to spread the word, then not only should you, but you must, right? Mm-hmm. That said, boy, you're swimming with sharks. Let me tell you, like the, the market right now for Christian or any other kind of fiction is so wide open and so deep that it's tough to get noticed. It's tough to make a difference. And so if you come ill-equipped to this contest, it can be brutal. So like I've said before, I think the most important thing is act structure, classical reading, so that you understand the language, which is the format. The format is the language. If I come to you and I tell you the most beautiful story ever composed in Russian, it's not going to connect with many in our audience. That's the structure that I think is so important that I've tried to put into my books and has so far been working. You have to understand it, respect it, practice it. Like you always encourage your listeners, practice, what do they say, 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. And that's the the kind of mountain you're going to have to climb. And so that's the only reason I caution people against it. If it seems like fun, it's not. It has its fun moments, but writing is work. And putting the effort into your craft is work. Art is the expression, but making good art, that's the hard work. And we all love our children's blotch-covered paint pictures. I recently got one from my niece, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's of a um, rather strange, dark-looking sunflower, and it's singing. And it's actually quite macabre and beautiful at the same time. That sounds beautiful. And I love it. And people who are parents, I'm not a parent, people who are parents like, oh, my gosh, she has such a great expression of color. I said, yeah, that's quite colorful, isn't it? But I don't know what to think. I just more fell in love with the macabreness of it. I'm glad that you said that to our listeners so they can know if you're going to enter this thing, it's not going to be easy. 
but dang it, is it worth it? It's definitely worth it. And Josh, thank you so much for those words. Can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thank you, Parker. And we were talking today to Josh David. He is the author of the Seed Trilogy. The last one is out on Amazon.com. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. But if you've been intrigued by our conversation, you've got to start at the beginning. So go ahead, pick up the first book in this series. And I know you're going to pick up the second and the third. But don't let what Josh told you about it being difficult stop you from doing the things that God gave you to do, which is to write. So go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.